0: TikTok usually. Yeah, I'm I'm a big <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm I'm big on TikTok these days. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, of course all the usual. Hello
1: and welcome to episode 84 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is her marketing and the F this is where well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast says it's my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a marketing leader and trusted advisor and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that we've picked up along the way that could bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode recorded on Friday the 15th of October. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week you're well, safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff and I will continue on the topic of procuring marketing technology and discuss gathering requirements. I meet Ilaria Saveri, head of marketing communications at Create The Clicks, and I wind down for the weekend with my friend, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? Onto to our first segment with my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director at Serious Decisions Forrester, as he shares how to gather requirements for that missing piece of marketing technology that you crave. <laughs> Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I
2: am doing well. Uh, we're having a warm fall day and it uh, feels almost a little bit like summer here, so uh Mm-hmm. Enjoying the last little bit of warmth before we hit the depths.
1: Nice, yeah, yeah. Here, um, here's the blue, blue sky day today. I, I flew uh, back from a trip this morning, and I arrived home to blue sky, having been in blue sky. In Spain. <laughs> it's a, it's a week for blue sky. Yeah, and uh, and it was a be- it was beautiful landing. It was beautiful, and um, and so yeah, as, as we edge towards the end of uh, having anything beautiful and blue. Skies. <laughs> what <did> you <laughs> Mind you, the you leaves are turning, don't. aren't they, up your way? They are. It, Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, uh, as a
2: matter of fact, I was up in uh, in Vermont earlier this week, and I saw a, a, kind of a peak in the middle yeah. of the state, and um, yeah. it is really pretty on, on, a, yeah. on another beautiful, clear day. Mm-hmm. So nothing like a beautiful, clear day with the fall colors we get here yeah. in New England.
1: Yeah, no, I love it up there when when the full colours come. Um, Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, the weather and things. We're here to talk about marketing. And the last few weeks, we've been on a bit of a roll. So we were talking about assessing the tech stack and understanding what it is that we need. And then last week, when we found that shiny thing we really want, how do we make the business case for it? And then this week, uh, I believe we're going to talk about requirements, gathering requirements. What say you, Jeff?
2: Well, this has to be the most exciting of all of the topics in MarTech. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let the listeners And decide. I do say
2: that <laughs> in jest. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, you know, it's, it, it, as you're sort of going through the progression we were on, so you think mm-hmm. about, it, okay, so I made the business case that I can go buy that new mm-hmm. content marketing platform or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now I got to go buy it. And and mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully one of the things I didn't do as I was making my business case is I locked myself into like a solution, a vendor, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, because um, – yeah, because then as you, you know, get into the details of requirements, you may um, find that you, you know, you need yeah. to do something else. Um, so, yeah. but I mean, we covered a lot of that territory in terms of understanding, you know, where your gaps are yeah. and kind of building that business case. And a lot of the, the requirement building should actually happen, you know, in consort with that. Mm. Um, but but still, and this is a, 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 another Milestone of actually putting those things together for, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're trying to, uh, you know, get a proof of concept, or whether you're trying to get um, RFIs, you know, re- requests for information, RFQs, mm-hmm. whatever, um, you know, you want to have the details together. So um, mm-hmm. so there's there's a number of ways to to address this and and even but before i do that i want to i want to get the really boring stuff out of the way which is the first (laughs) you know one of the things you i mean you need to know kind of like system level requirements Mm -hmm. you need to know final finance requirements so these are things that that are probably not dependent on what you're buying there would be certainly something to depend on what you're buying but you know you want to make sure like, like it will have a number of kind of governance issues about security, privacy, yeah. if any, if anything's touching customers or customer data are you You know how are we doing in terms of making yeah. sure we we meet the privacy guidelines, hosting considerations, are we hosting it in our internal systems and in the cloud, yeah, hybrid, whatever. Yeah. And then and then and then finance will have its, you know, its requirements, payment terms, prove vendor status, if yeah. it's capital expense, how's that handled? And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go to detail any of that stuff because it's pretty, um, it, well, for one, it's pretty dry. But secondly, it's one of those things <laughs> that you, you know, just go to the person in finance and say, what do I need to know yeah, before yeah, I, yeah. or what do I need to know for my vendors before we go forward? Yeah. Go to IT. Yeah. What do I need to know before um, we start getting the details of this thing? Mm-hmm. So, so the, th- the three ways I was thinking, and, and this, this may not be, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting if somebody has another, another approach, um, but in mm-hmm. the work that I was doing at, at, um, uh, Forrester and serious decisions, I mean, there, there were a number of ways that we would work with, with clients, on uh, helping them go through this mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and I'll just quickly rattle off. One is like, you know, sort of taking a business requirements or capabilities focus and kind of go from high level down to detail level. Mm-hmm. You know, with your as you're talking to stakeholders. Another way would be to follow, kind of take a process view. So I'm gonna, you know, work through a workflow from beginning to end and then and then determine what the requirements are as I go mm-hmm. through each of the steps. And then similarly, you could do the take kind of the exact same flow process, but doing data, you know. Mm-hmm. So what are the data's in we you know what if I have the solution? What data do I need coming in? What am I trying to put mm. out? Put out, and where does where does some of that other that data go? So you can take a data flow approach, and these are not. I mean, one of the things is to say is that they're not um, mutually exclusive because one yeah. may lead you to another, um, and uh, they all require that you interview stakeholders, right? And and. You know stakeholders. I mean, I I know, and in our discussions, we've mentioned stakeholders many times. Yeah, Uh, it's kind of a nebulous term. There could be other other terms for it, but uh, you know, decision makers, influencers, whatever. Yeah. But I think one of the things that that is important to understand, and this you know, as we went back through the other discussions we had on assessing your stack and doing your business case, you know, yeah. it, we, we, we came to the same issue of involving stakeholders, but it's kind of important at this point to make sure you've, you've kind of categorized or you think who, mm-hmm. who are those major stakeholders? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one would be a, um, an enterprise owner. So if I'm in marketing, mm-hmm. my enterprise owner is the CMO or, you know, VP of marketing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's the person I report up to and because yeah. they're the one that you want to go talk to and say, what are your, you know, what do you think of, of requirements if we yeah. go and I make, keep coming back to like this con- concept of a content marketing yeah. platform. So what what yeah. do you want to make sure we get out of it?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And and they may be all about measuring effectiveness of content or or, you know, we're all about improving productivity of the team so you know we mm-hmm. have those things in mind um, the other person you want to make sure you contact early is who the customer is mm-hmm. uh, and the customer typically is an internal customer I mean it could be mm-hmm. somebody external if they're if if this is an application which is particularly being you're going to touch some of your customers like an event registration or something but oftentimes in marketing your customer is ahead of sales because yep. you're Doing things that are ultimately creating demand or creating brand impression that that makes it easier for salespeople to do their job. So, um, and this obviously isn't the case for everybody. And actually, you know, some of your like if you're doing a content marketing platform, and maybe a lot of the content yeah. is developed by um, a product marketing team or a product management team that is in the product group. Yeah, that might be. One, if not all, uh, your only internal customer,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then you know the other thing is you want to make sure you talk to a process owner or, or a yeah. function owner. So, so if if I'm in marketing operations or marketing IT role, mm-hmm. and we're talking about customer or a content marketing system, then who owns content yeah. marketing? Is that the yeah uh, yeah Marcoms? Yeah. Is there a content marketing director or VP?
1: Um, that just asking that question might expose a different problem. <laughs> who owns the content? Ah, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Well, and, and, and if that problem has not been wrestled to the ground, then you've got to. You shouldn't be getting a content to, to the ground. Platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, that's yes. Enough said there.
1: Yeah. So you've got your um, so you've got your uh, enterprise stakeholder. You've got your cust- internal customer to talk to. It's a function and the process person. Who else were you saying we also need to? Um,
2: they're they're going to be various actors in the in the process. So yeah, uh, um, you know, and uh, when I worked at Pega, when we were diagramming processes, the individuals yeah. or sometimes the systems were the actors. So yeah, who touches it? And if you if we go back to our content marketing example, mm-hmm. then it's like okay, somebody is. An originator of messaging and and uh, direction and objectives, and somebody's an originator of yeah. content and then it goes on to somebody who actually designs and put puts the pieces and parts together mm-hmm. and then somebody posts and uh, so yeah. so you know you make yeah 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 analogous to the users yep yeah and you you don't necessarily it doesn't mean that you talk to everybody but but you know mm-hmm. you certainly. If one of the things is that in my experience, it was you kind of start at the top and work your way down. You, yeah. you do get to a point where it says where you can say, I think I've covered all the bases yeah. and yeah. Um, and um, I don't need to talk to everyone in the creative team or, you yeah. know, everyone on the web team who's going to be making sure they yeah. know where this content is going or yeah. sales ops if it's going to a um, yeah. you know sales uh, enablement tool.
1: And how so, do you find uh, that? Where do you, how do you find that point? I mean, because when when we talk about requirements, I'm often I'm, my, I often cast my, cast my mind back to when I was in pre-sales, and we get an RFP from when I worked for a vendor, and I you get an RFP come through, and it would say stupid stuff like "must be easy to use," <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> "must be intuitive." <laughs> it's like tick. <laughs> so how yeah. do you? how do you um how do you how do you get to that point where you feel like you've spoken to everybody that you need and those requirements are now you know that you've got the right level of requirements that's going to brief it vendor properly
2: well i think so if 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 we take one of the paths that i that I mentioned um mm-hmm. I think that that's where you can. You can determine um, whether you've done a, the the right level of right. investigation among these various you know, uh, actors or you know yeah. uh, stakeholders in the system. So if you if you think about it from a capability perspective, and you hmm. start with a high level list of capabilities, and I you know I one of the things I did um, was build a um, set of business requirements we often call them capabilities, kind of interchangeable yeah. for uh, market resource management systems. And so you, 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 you kind of go through and say, okay, you know, we need to create projects. We need to, yeah. somebody needs to approve the project. Somebody needs yep. to assign resources. Somebody needs right. to develop the taxonomy for the projects and, or, or yep. th- those are the various things that need to be done. And I, you kind of, one of the things I did is I kind of developed a starter list of these business yep. requirements. And then when you, you know, put it in the situation of the, of the the client or, you know, then, then it's like, Oh, well we need also need to think about some of these other things that are specific to us. And, and so if you, if you go through your interview process with these Mm -hmm. requirements in mind, then, then your stakeholders can start to give you uh, input as to how it should work. And, 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 and of course, one of the things you're trying to build when you mentioned the things that, Easy to use and intuitive, which are just like, well, of course, yeah. Easy easy to use for um, you know somebody writing content might be different than easy to use for somebody who's a high level executive who's approving content, or easy Mm -hmm. to use for the designer who
1: Mm
2: -hmm. who's got to pull a bunch of different assets together. So so easy to use has to be viewed in the context of these particular of the task
1: yeah yeah, yeah. And it, and so it that's pay. it so so you 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 map out all the tasks that you want the solution to to solve and step through and get all of the stakeholders and what they're going to do in that process and then and, gather and from them what they need in that pro- in that part of that process
2: correct and what their expectations yeah. are yeah. and what yeah. systems and and this becomes clear in some of the other paths for doing this but you know mm-hmm. what systems are they touching yeah. um and um and you, you know, you definitely, you you realize that that only certain. I mean, if, if you develop a list of requirements that was like mm-hmm. you know three dozen long, um, yeah. not all those stakeholders have an opinion <laughs> on, yeah, on yeah. all those. So it's like you got to yeah. you got to make sure you're you're targeting. You know, in do, in yeah. doing your interviewing with the stakeholders, you got to say, okay, mm-hmm. these people can help me build out this part of our requirements, yeah. whereas this person can only help me build out you know uh, another right. another part
1: of it right so the, right.
2: The, the the second path that i was thinking of was um yes. or the or work with clients i was following a process mm-hmm. and i think you know back to our content marketing example this is particularly good for content marketing because there's a there's a definite definite workflow right yeah so you know somebody has set goals and objectives and you know maybe yeah. campaign themes or or something that that all the work gets aggregated under and yeah. then and then you go through and you can you can map out the process you know whether you're doing this on a whiteboard mm-hmm. or you're doing it in a you know powerpoint or a visio where it's okay first you know we have somebody yeah. who is writing uh original content and then secondly we have somebody who is editing or or uh who was revising for a particular audience. And then we move on into design all the way through to when the, um, when the content gets both uh, activated to be live and when it gets Mm -hmm. archived for future use. Mm -hmm. And, and so each step you go, well, who owns that action? Mm -hmm. What data is required as an input? Mm -hmm. Um, What data gets, or what, or what process handoff is the output. So, where is this thing going? Because then that will tell you one who's the next actor in the process, but also will tell you yeah. is there are there other uh, applications this needs to integrate with. Which is mm-hmm. which is I mean one of the critical things about understanding requirements is what else in the in the East Coast system or the Martech stack is yeah. this thing interacting with? And if you don't, that's one of the things where you either take a process or a data flow perspective. That's where all yeah. of a sudden you run into. Oh, this, this needs to access our existing asset management system, or this needs to, um, tie into an analytics application because we need to measure something or, and so, um, so that's, that's a critical point of, you know, so there was the data in, there's the data out.
1: But this is interesting because this goes back to the, well, our conversation a couple of shows ago where we were talking about assessing needs. If you go through that list and pres- that that task step, then you may find you've already got tools that can help you right. with that part of the task. And that maybe an integration is going to be better than actually finding a tool that, that will duplicate that.
2: Yep. And, and matter of fact, this is one of the, um, you know, I mean, I, I chose the content marketing platform example, but... Mm-hmm. You know, one of the the things that is that is a challenge for um, content marketing is that there are so many different tools out there which mm-hmm. do different pieces of this puzzle. So, asset yep. management systems, there are workflow automation systems, there yep. are, um, you know, there's proofing systems. There's, you know, there. I mean, so there's there's these various things, and and then there are also these tools um, like a sales asset management uh, or sales enablement tool that may actually offer a lot of the capabilities that you're looking for in your content marketing automation. So, so yeah, that's it. That's a, a great question. And, and it, that's really, we're going through this step-by-step is mm-hmm. and asking the question about what what's currently used is a good, bad, what would you do mm-hmm. differently? Um, so the other couple of things you want to make sure you mention as you're going through this process flow are, you know, what are the, what are the business rules? If, if somebody gets and this, this is probably most easily depicted mm-hmm. in, in a lead flow. You know, I pick up a lead and I and I'm my my job. I'm in a business development rep. My job is to call this person. OK, so yeah. at what point do I say this is ready to move on? At what point do yeah. I put it back for, re? you know, um, yeah, you know, uh, going through another campaign? At what point do I kill it? And so mm-hmm. the business rules, and whether you're the system you are you know going to acquire, does it have to be able to capture those business rules internally, mm-hmm. or is that something? And sometimes some of these things are done manually, but you just need to know, you just need to be aware of them. Yeah. Um, also, how are you going to measure success? Which is where any integration with an analytics tool is helpful. So if I'm trying yeah. to measure success in terms of productivity of this process where we're getting more throughput, we're getting better quality content, et cetera. Um, then, you know, that might be handled within the tool. But if I'm trying to get to this content is creating greater engagement, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's attached to more opportunities or leads, then I need to integrate to another sort of performance analytics system.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, so those are, you know, I mean, and the simple way to look at it is there's an there's a step in a process. There's an input. There's an output. Mm-hmm. How is it going to be measured as successful? And what kind of rules? Whoever is managing right. this, what are the rules that they're working under?
1: Right, right. So we so you you would build that into the requirements then. The what yeah. success would look like. Right, right. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because you could because you could depict this in in a in a couple of ways. I and mean, one is you yeah. could, as I said, if you go to Visio and you do a flow diagram and you yeah you make some of these notes about the ins and outs and business rules, et cetera, as notation on your flow diagram. Yeah. The other way we used to do it is, is, you know, you kind of build a, you know, a chart where every action is, is, um, is a, is a row in the chart and all the Mm -hmm. columns are, you know, Mm -hmm. owner, input, output, business rules, current technology. Yeah. How do we measure success? And you just kind of, and by that you know when you when you put it into a chart and you detail it it actually kind of makes it mm. easy to to say you know here's here's the the process we're going through and here's all the details and and I yeah. can extract out all of the integration tools or I can extract yeah. out of that table
1: um and, I know, think, and all really sort just- yeah you you're really distilling that down then aren't you In, into something that's then much more manageable by doing that hard work and you've got you've then got that table it's then really distilled down um and then you can build those requirements and then you can and then your communication with your vendors is going to be much better and also you'll find out because every organisation thinks they're different don't they and that's where your difference yes. is going to be found isn't it
2: yes or where your lack of difference is going to be found <laughs> exactly.
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know. yeah.
2: Yeah. Which is more often the case than not, but, um, yeah. but I, you know, to the, actually to that point, I mean, so many tools are, because uh, the other thing you'll find is it's, there's so many tools are out there that are really simple ways of addressing mm-hmm. a problem. And I know, mm-hmm. um, in the, the area of marketing resource management or content,
3: yeah,
2: you know, uh, workflow is that a lot of people would buy a, a really simple, basic tool that was easy to yeah. implement because they're all yeah. out there. They get advertised on LinkedIn yeah, or yeah, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this, this looks like I'll do it. And then you mm-hmm. realize, you know, it doesn't give you the, either the analytics you want, or
0: yeah. it
2: doesn't integrate well with other systems or, yeah. you know, it's sometimes the licensing. I mean, this is, I think one of the other challenges in content marketing is that there are a lot of people that have their hand in content. So am I yeah. licensing it for every individual, yeah. um, and in, in which case it might get expensive, or yeah, um, yeah, you know, my licensing it for the team, for the company, are there ways that that I can determine that this is um, yeah?
1: But, the, but I mean, like what you've just done, which is step through the process and have all the actors in, involved in that then you get a sense of all of those things you get the answers to all of those things right if you yep. and the other thing i think about requirements is um and just like realizing that we're running out of time is about time I, uh, many organizations <laughs> don't invest that time do they they no. they don't realize that there's going to be a cost to buying the buying a solution and it's going to be on them and they need to spend this time and they need to do a proper evaluation because it's going to cost them a whole lot more when they get the wrong solution down the line
2: absolutely absolutely yeah. and um and yeah, and it and it, it it pays to do the due diligence. Also pays to understand what for what solutions yeah. and purchases are we doing this due diligence? Because just like we said last week, there are, yeah. there are certain types of tech that that you know yeah. can be purchased because whether it's the the um, because it's inexpensive or because it doesn't really yeah. m- muck with our internal data or our processes, yeah. it's just like we're not going to yeah. worry about it. But if yeah. something's really going to have an impact in the organization, then it's really important to do this. Yeah. And without w- without going into any any you know detail, but on the the third method is 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 following the data, and uh-huh. it is just like following the process in terms of yeah. going through all the steps. But yeah, you know, rather than starting with the the uh, you know like a, a person to person workflow, you're just thinking about data because if uh-huh. you're if you're buying analytics tools, et cetera you know, there's not, there may be one or two users. And so really what yeah. you're focused on is where is data coming from? How's it going to be used? Where's it right. going? To, how's it going to be output? So right. that that's kind of the,
1: I like uh, that. I like that yeah. too. And, and maybe a combination of the three, right. Is the, the people, the processes and the data and mapping all that through. And that's what you're going to need to do with your integration. So I think it's really, really good advice as usual, Jeff. Thank people you
2: process technology and data. It's a yeah, pretty exactly. simple equation. Exactly.
1: That's excellent. Thank you very much, Jeff. So uh, I know that you've, you've got, you've got some music choice for this week. What's, what are you going with this week, Jeff?
2: Well, this is a new one. Usually when I pick a music choice, it's something I, there's like something in my head that I've, I've heard before. This, this is, this is new and, um, you know, technical requirements. There's not a lot in the catalog, (laughs) but I did find something that I thought was, um, was appropriate it's called technical difficulties from a band called julian k in their release in 2009 of death to analog wow Um, and the problem that they were running into was nothing's working and so unfortunately this kind of emphasizes the downside of not doing your (laughs) due diligence as opposed to last week when we talked about winning yes but still it all right it's
1: appropriate Well, I'll hit the listener with a bit of technical difficulties and then I'll play it on that. And if people want to get in touch with you, Jeff, and maybe need some help with their requirements gathering, where can they find you?
2: On Rockstar CMO Advisors, as Mm -hmm. well as under Jeff Clark in LinkedIn.
1: Nice. All right, mate. Now, I know that you're going to take another week off next week to do your climate change work. Uh, So I'll see you in a fortnight. Maybe your leaves will be... Being peaked, but full, full on peeping by then, won't they? Up. In, they
2: will be. Time. So, what's the actually an appropriate time to talk about change management?
1: Oh, change management, splendid. So, in two weeks' so, time, talk about change management. Sounds great. Awesome. Take care. Right. Yeah. See them then. then yeah. Recall oh. about seven
2: hundred days and ways. Times
0: changing, minds turning.
1: Thank you, Jeff. And another new track for me, something quite different this week, and that was Technical Difficulties by Julian Kay. Of course, I'll include all the links Jeff referred to and a link to that tune in the show notes. If you have any thoughts on that discussion or have suggestions for what we should be discussing, you know where to go. Get in touch. We're Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. Right, on to our guest, Ilaria Saveri is the Head of Marketing Communications at Creative Clicks, a performance marketing agency in Amsterdam. Elaria is an experienced marketer and communication strategist with a passion for helping brands understand the digital marketing world, build their own identity, and reach the desired audiences. Fluent in five languages, she is responsible for online and offline communication with all stakeholders, including social media management, employee branding, events organization, PR, and content marketing. We discussed the positives of traveling to events again as we connected at the next web event in Amsterdam, but I found a downside to travel this week as my travel condenser microphone failed for this interview, so the audio isn't as good as I'd like, but despite that, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM, Milaria, how are you?
3: I am great. Thank you so much, Ian, for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. You're very welcome. And uh, for
1: listeners that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, so I'm Ilaria Severi. I'm the head of marketing and communications at Creative Clicks. Uh Creative Clicks, it's a company that was founded in Amsterdam, but we're now present in uh, four continents, five different other cities. So besides Amsterdam, which is our HQ, we're also present in Tel Aviv, Beijing, San Francisco and Toronto. So we're really active worldwide on a 24-7 base. Mm-hmm. um creative clicks is a performance marketing agency so we focus on performance and we are really data d- driven as a company uh we've been in the market for over 10 years so we have an extensive experience and mm-hmm. in, in, in the performance marketing industry which has changed a lot mm-hmm. in the past decade like 10 yeah. years ago was totally different market yeah. and um for me, as the head of marketing and communications, I'm responsible for the corporate communication of the company, all the events, the podcast actually, because I'm I'm also yeah. producing my own podcast, CC Talks. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to know more about mobile performance marketing, social media, feel free to check it out on mm-hmm. Spotify uh, yeah. and uh, uh, Google and Apple Podcasts.
1: I'll include a link to it in the show notes as well.
3: That would be amazing. And, yeah, and we also help other divisions with content creation um, by our own studio. So, we are also yeah. building our own um, in-house studio, which is actually growing little by little. So, that's mm-hmm. that's great. So, lots of things going on, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you're based in Amsterdam, you mentioned. But I also, am. Yeah, but also, you know, as we're sort of getting to know each other, um, I noticed that you studied media and business. What inspired you to get into marketing?
3: Yeah, so... Um. Actually, my background was a bit different because I studied languages and intercultural communication. So there was mm-hmm. already communication part there, but it was more focused on the literature part and the culture part of 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 yeah, languages and communication. Then I I like times changed and and social media started becoming like a big thing, and mm-hmm. I saw potential there, and and I saw I really liked the way the new way of communicating. I I like, I always liked marketing um, and I really like to see how the marketing combined with this new digital world. And I wanted to be part of that. So Mm -hmm. let's say that my passion for languages and, and cultural and communication uh, kind of found a meaning when this could be channeled in social media, in marketing, in digital strategies. So that's when I decided to uh, specialize in, in medium business. And that's why mm-hmm. I actually moved to the Netherlands from Italy. I, I right. already lived abroad in other countries, but at that time I was back in Italy. And I found this amazing program at Erasmus University in Rotterdam, mm-hmm. which I loved. And uh, that's how I landed into medium business and, and, and now marketing.
1: Right, right. and And you've stayed in the Netherlands ever since?
3: Yeah, correct. So since 2016. So it's been five years. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, Nice. And so, I mean, you're a relatively young marketer, well, compared to me and a lot of the people I talk to on the show. (laughs) What advice would you give to young marketers who are trying to follow that same path that you're following? Because, you know, you're now a head of of marketing at an agency, you know, you're getting, um, building a nice career. Um, What advice would you give to young marketers who want to follow in your footsteps?
3: Yeah, I I love the question because I always like to tell a bit about my story because I hope Mm -hmm. it can inspire people a little bit and and give people that extra push that sometimes, especially young people, may not have. Although their dreams are big. And if the dreams are big, I always say they are possible, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I said, I I come originally from Italy. I did travel a lot, uh, but I come from a very humble family and a lot of people in my family didn't even graduate from university. But this is to say that it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you're headed to, where you want okay. to go. And also, for young people who want to become marketers, um, there are several paths you can take. Of course, having a master's degree nowadays, it's quite important, we cannot uh-huh. deny it. Uh-huh. Uh, but everything you get, the experience, that you have to make it for yourself. Because uh-huh. yeah, schools, it's a, it's a great starting point, but they don't really, like school, to be yeah. really honest, university doesn't teach you how to work. It right. Doesn't teach you, doesn't give you right the work method and and yeah. also, I think that we all have to be entrepreneurs of ourselves in a mm-hmm. way. So we have yeah. to be the ones always uh, searching for uh, for things, studying new things. and sometimes it is time consuming, but what you get out of it, it's much yeah. bigger. So definitely yeah. don't stop at the uh, experience that you may or may not have. Mm. build your own experience uh network with people now there is this i mean people can see social media as a bad uh space in a way and for certain things it it certainly is but for others it's an amazing place for networking as well so use that as a networking tool there are so many online classes so you don't even have to attend certain courses you can take even free courses online ask for ask and, and talk with people that have more experience than you have and ask them if yeah. they would like to be your mentors. And you would be amazed how many people would, would like to help yeah. you. Yeah, I, yeah, In my own experience, uh, I was lucky, but I also was always out there trying to, to find people who could also help me where, where I knew I was lacking skills or I was lacking knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. and I found so many great people that are now that eventually even became friends and people that I talk to when I have doubts about, you know, Mm. my, my, my work, when I have things like, how would you deal with this? Well, what's your experience with that? It's, it's amazing to have mentors. Mentors are really helpful
1: (laughs) yeah well i think as um i I think as a marketer you need to be constantly learning anyway it doesn't matter where you are in your career because the the craft changes so much and like you say it's not something you can be taught like accountancy or something like that in university and then you're set it's going to constantly change you need to be you need to be curious all the time don't you
3: did especially like in the digital world we're living in everything is changing from one day to the other so you really have to be on, on on point every day and to to do that you need to yeah yeah, yeah. keep reading keep searching keep having yeah. that hungry hunger for for knowledge that's yeah. that's the basis of everything I believe.
1: yeah and that leads nicely onto my next question because what I wanted to talk to you about was the fact that you shared 10 business books that would help your business grow on LinkedIn yeah. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of um of, of marketing books and actually, I recommend to everybody they should listen to the marketing Book Podcast by um, Douglas Baudet. So if you've not mm-hmm. heard that, you should listen to that. So every week he, t- he talks about, he interviews an author every single week. So I'm always buying books. <clears throat> but how would you narrow that 10 books down to one? Would you choose one out of that list?
3: Yeah, I would. And that's the S- S- Start With Why uh, by Simon Sinek. I, th- I think yeah. that's the the yeah. book <laughs> that every marketer yeah. should read um not because it's 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 well some people call it the bible of marketing well maybe that's too much but it still gives yeah. you a nice way of thinking and and a, and a structure yeah. when you for instance as a marketing manager you have to build a strategy it's it's fundamental yeah. so the circle the golden circle that Simon Sinek uh, talks about starting from the mm-hmm. why the mm-hmm. what and the how it, it's fundamental and every time that i am facing some some doubts or or like I kind of it can happen then as a marketer and you create so much content at some at some point you you yeah. you have to step back and, and and think again and say yeah but why yeah. am I doing this what's my my yeah, reason yeah. for doing this yeah. yeah and I find it also fascinating how he finds uh, the the why also not just related to marketing but to uh, yeah. leaders uh, yeah. and how actually it's so true people don't sell or companies don't sell products they sell. A, they, they sell a message yeah. they sell why yeah
1: yeah, so. yeah yeah no I love that and um when I started my marketing career um, because I started in marketing fairly late um mm-hmm. I learned through books and one of the I was recommended five books to read and start with why was one of them so I thought it's really right? interesting that you also <laughs> um chose that book to be it's that one and uh, there, there's a there's a few, a few other books and what other authors do you like would you recommend people people take a look at
3: Oh, uh, there, there are so many there, the that. well uh, yeah. other books. So the art of influencing, also, mm-hmm. I found that beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's an intense yeah. book, uh, but it's really like because the thing about marketing books, you think it's just a lot of theoretical stuff or things like yeah. no, it's definitely not. There's much more behind yeah, it. Yeah. It's,
1: well, the good ones anyway. I mean, there's a lot of marketing books, aren't there? Not all of them are excellent. So I think the yeah, good no, ones, that's true. Yeah, have, have that, have that real life. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm getting sidetracked because I could talk about marketing Books probably all afternoon and both <laughs> of us have got other things to do. So um, where where we met was um, through the next web event in Amsterdam. Yeah. It happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was on panel. But what was your reaction of the whole event? I mean, the next web, for people that don't know it, because I have a lot of listeners in the US, it's quite mm. a huge deal in Europe, isn't it? It's yeah, a, a massive event, 15,000 people normally um, and normally a quite a big event but and they obviously stopped it for covid and then brought it back this year what did you think
3: so as always uh there were great talks great speakers mm-hmm. uh super inspiring and interesting sometimes a bit scary especially those talking about the future and ai how they would mm. take over uh mm. the human race and be careful <laughs> yeah. and you were like okay <laughs> and then yeah. actually what's funny is that a week after there was the uh, Instagram down, Facebook down, yeah, and, and yeah. WhatsApp down. And in a way, I thought about that talk and I was like, it's happening already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, it, it, they're already here, you know? Yeah. But yeah. then after a few hours, everything was fine. So maybe yeah. that was, uh, uh, I was overthinking it. But yeah, great, great talks. Um, for sure, it was something different than mm-hmm. it used to be in the past in a way that. Probably that's the case in many other circumstances right now, but it was mm. it was like being back um, in normal life, but yeah. in, a, in a different normality. So yeah. it, it it was quite different, like back to yeah. normal, but a different normal.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what do you think as a marketer about getting back to events? Because, I mean, my sound probably sounds a bit weird to my listeners right now because I'm not in my home studio. I'm in Barcelona, so I'm mm-hmm. traveling. I went to... I went to a meeting and was in real life with a whole bunch of people and stuff like that. And, and we were both in Amsterdam at the same time. Um, it's weird, isn't it?
3: It is, it is. It's, it's, uh, It's uh, beautiful, it's amazing that we're able to do that again, but for sure it still feels weird that that's possible when you think that just a few months ago we were still wearing masks and we had to maintain distance and now being all together in the same room. But I also think it's it's fundamental Mm -hmm. uh, that we, little by little, of course, people that feel comfortable should do it. People that still don't, it's totally fine. They should take their own time, but... As for marketers, it's 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 fundamental to participate yeah. at events. For me, I- events have always been a way to uh, networking, to make new um, uh, new friendships, even mm-hmm. and and meet new people. Um, and you know, like like I mentioned before, I, I produce a podcast, and also, I mean, in other circumstances, mm-hmm. when I had to uh, write blogs, and I was looking for. Guest writers, um, and in other circumstances yeah. in general, when I was looking for mentors for myself, having that network that I was able to create thanks to events was fundamental. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of events, and I, I'm a really, yeah. I'm really a person. Uh, a people person so i really love Mm. and enjoy being in in crowded places where i can meet so many people (laughs) from all over the world so actually for me covid was a big thing (laughs) that i couldn't do that but uh so your advice
1: to to you yeah your advice to marketers right now if if they're looking at their, their their budgets they should start getting back into events start investing back into events and and we'll get bigger. I think, yeah, I think the next web next year is going to be back to its normal size, isn't it? Like 15,000 people. I think, or is it like 5,000 people there this year? Or something yeah, like and but, I yeah. think it
3: was mostly Europe focused. Yeah, and normally yeah. um, there would be many more That's guests from, from yeah. outside. Yeah. Guest yeah. wise, of course, there were guests from the US as well, but they couldn't travel yeah. here. So it wasn't no. the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was very, They were virtual. They were very careful about COVID. They had all the bracelets and stuff. So it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Um, yeah. so, but and, and and aside from aside from the scary part of the AI and the fact that we were all there from a <laughs> COVID perspective, was there anything else that you picked up from the event that, um, that that helped you? You know, when you got back to the office.
3: Well, definitely uh, the energy, the 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 willingness that mm-hmm. people have of connecting again, of being there again, of of. Yeah, sharing yeah. a drink and talking about business or not, you know, being able—I—I I met people that yeah. I, I saw. Yeah, I'm—I i caught I, I up with people that I hadn't seen for two years almost, and you know, it was so yeah. funny because, like, our yeah. lives changed so much. Like, um. Mm-hmm. I grew in my role and other businesses also grew and, and, and another friend I met there, uh, actually his business was going really bad at some point after COVID and now is coming back up and actually even growing and flourishing. So oh, I think fun. that's beautiful and it's a reason for feeling grateful and even more inspired to, to mm. keep growing and looking at the future and not looking back because what's back, it's, it's, it's the past.
1: Yeah, that's a nice thought. That's a nice thought. I'm going to get to our final question then, uh, talking about looking back, because when we were preparing for this, you didn't even know that rock stars used to throw things into the pool. I pools,
3: didn't.
1: Which probably tells you something I about I was
3: shy. I was like, really?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there was a rock star that actually parked his car in a swimming pool. So there's this thing. So anyway, okay. so we have this regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Rockstar CMO swimming pool, which is our portal to hell for all the overhead trends, Bullshit and snake oil that seems to plague the profession we love. What mm-hmm. would you throw into our rockstar CMOS pool?
3: Yeah, so I, I I love this question and I love the fact that I had to look up, <laughs> look it up <laughs> yeah. and see yeah. what it was. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I would throw in the pool the those con the, those posts or pieces of content that say. Then uh, things that successful marketers, successful entrepreneurs right. have to do in order to become the number one entrepreneur yeah, in yeah. the world, or like to yeah. become like uh, Elon Musk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I hate that because, well, first of all, success is something that uh, everyone has a different definition of success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that. That's a first. Yeah. Second thing is that everyone has their own method. They have their own way of working, of of being successful, and and yeah making the most out, out of their day. For instance, yeah. some people may, may need to um, sleep till noon, but then they can <laughs> easily work until 5 a.m. Yeah. And other people, instead, they need to wake up at 5 a.m. and then go to bed at 8. And yeah. who am I or who is anybody else to say which method works best? Yeah. At the end, the result matters, right? Yeah. So if if the end result is still successful, the yeah. method it really depends on the person. Of course, there are certain things like exercising and sleeping well and eating well, but that's, that's something that is good for everybody, for any yeah. human being to live a, a nice yeah. life, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. But
3: all those things that make you believe if you do, if you start doing these, you can become that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit too extreme. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it's, I mean, it's part of that hustle culture that we live in these days, isn't it? And and do you think that, I mean, from your perspective, and you were giving advice to young marketers just a moment ago, do you think that there's a lot of pressure on people now to look at those blog posts and to sort of think about the habits they need to have yeah
3: there is for sure because yeah we constantly get those yeah posts or blogs talking about how can you become a successful marketing manager how can you grow in your career how can you how can you how can you and yeah this is one of the I would say the downsides of of social media of all these digital communications and what happens is that this is this brings us away from the now yeah and uh from the who we are and the now. Because I, each one of us has their own path and their own timing and their own way of doing things. And so reading all these things make you feel you're doing it wrong. Because whatever yeah. you do, even if you're the best uh, mm-hmm. marketer or whatever, if yeah. you read these, you feel like they, you're the worst. Because maybe you tick one out of the ten boxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these things can should be seen as... Um, Food for thought, for mm-hmm. for sure. Like a way of thinking. Okay, I, I didn't think about this. Maybe I should start yeah. and try for myself. Yeah. But still, stay truthful to yourself and think about your own path and be yeah. and stay focused on that. Yeah. That would no, be I love
1: advice. it. I love it. I love it. And I, it's very similar to something I, uh, a previous guest, Amber Osborne, threw into the swimming pool, which was. Um, it was shit other marketers advise me on the internet yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so that's a really good idea so that that's definitely going to be. yes uh, and then so over to you so um if people um spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you Alaria.
3: Yeah, you can find me on, on LinkedIn as Ilaria Severi. Uh, you'll see I, I, I mention my work and, and my podcast. You can find me as the host of CC Talks, uh, as well as the producer. And uh, yeah, you can always email me at Ilaria.severi at creativeclicks.com. Or just send me a direct message on, on LinkedIn.
1: Fantastic. Well, sure. thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me. And thanks for putting up with some of my logistics issues. As I've been traveling. So thank you for joining you. No joining. problem.
3: Thank you so much. It's been no fun. Yeah,
1: thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you, Ilaria. Some great advice for young marketers there. I could talk about marketing books all day and chucking those hustle lists into the pool. Absolutely. I will, of course, include all of her links, including to her agency and their podcast, in the show notes. Okay, it's that time of the week again, time for a cocktail with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Roberts. What are you drinking?
0: Ah, hello, hello, and welcome to the bar. Um, great to see you here. Um, you know, it's also really interesting that here in the bar we have... Is this a carnival that you've got going on here? <laughs> it's really... Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm struck by how many, how many <laughs> things there are, rides and... And, you know, vendor games and all sorts of things. Anyway, we are he here.
1: Bar, isn't it?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a very, very big bar. I mean, yeah, goodness gracious. Um, anyway, uh, uh, welcome to, to the bar.
1: So we can chat.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a fun one tonight. So mm-hmm. do you? So I'm assuming that yes. you have spent a Sunday morning or two sipping on a Bloody Mary. Oh, yes. And and do you know the history of the Bloody Mary? No, I don't. It's actually a really interesting quick history here, which was uh, there was a bar in Paris um, called Harry's New York Bar. So it was a US themed bar, New York themed anyway, um, in Paris, very famous uh, bar. It was a great hangout for Ernest Hemingway um, and, and others. And they invented a number of cocktails there. And they invented this one that they called the bucket of blood, which just lovely sounding, um, mm-hmm. and it was basically tomato juice and vodka. And uh, they started, you know, refining it, changing it, working on it, et cetera. And 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 of course, the very, one of the very first um, mentions of it was in the bar. They were writing up the bar about Paris and all the um, all the cocktails that they'd made, and and they said basically. Uh, this new drink, which is receiving all sorts of buzz and attention from the town's um, writers, is called a Bloody Mary. And it's mm. half tomato juice and half vodka, which sounds, oh at, my God. At, its, at its heart, sounds nasty. Um, <laughs> but, of course, it has been refined over time and mm-hmm. everybody has their own Bloody Mary recipe. Um, You know, for horseradish or no horseradish or, you know, build a salad and put bacon in it and have a hamburger on top of it or whatever. (laughs) So um, this is my take. And I've never liked the term bloody. I just I've never liked it, you know, which made me go learn about the history. I've never liked the name Bloody Mary um, as a drink. I love the drink. Didn't didn't really care for the name. So I took a bit of a left turn here Mm -hmm. and said, what if we made something like a Bloody Mary, but didn't call it a Bloody Mary, but we made it with a Reposado tequila instead, and it works brilliantly, and we're going to call it the Sunday Rise and Shine.
1: I love um, it. So, but you can't. I mean, the nice thing about a Bloody Mary is the world is pretty much accepted you're allowed to drink those in the morning. That's so right. It, by swapping it out and having tequila in the morning, uh, has anything changed? <laughs> that's right.
0: it's and It's great. It actually works really lovely. The agave fruits and the, the nice. taste of the tequila really works with the, nice. with the tomato juice and with the, anything else, you know, the horseradish if you choose to do that and all the classic makings of a, of a Bloody Mary, and it works brilliantly. So right. the Sunday, Sunday Rise and recipe. Shine, we're not calling this the Bloody Mary. We're calling this the Sunday Rise and Shine, and it uh-huh. is basically your favorite Bloody Mary sort of mm-hmm. recipe um mm-hmm. mine is very simple it's mm-hmm. is basically you know tomato juice and and uh and tequila and a little black mm-hmm. pepper uh add a little spice and you know and um you know and away you go right and i don't nice. you know and pieces of celery in it if you want for a stir stick but nothing <laughs> no no big salad or anything on the top of it
1: does celery serve any other purpose than a stir stick <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right there are, no none I zero i, I, I i'm Sorry. i'm generally against cel- celery as a concept yes. Yeah,
1: yes but, well i mean it's not bad as a stick is it i mean it's, it does quite a good job being a stick but that's right. i'm gonna load my yeah. glass up with some ice um ah, but, uh, i can't right remember God. if you do that with a bloody memory do you yes and again this week the nice thing about um our agreement here and if i look at what i have on my desktop bar is i do actually have some of that very light uh tequila that we discussed last week hendrix gin ah so pop, pop some of that into the glass oh oh that is a that's a nice sunday morning i'm putting in there i'll tell you I'll probably still be feeling this Sunday morning, carry on like that. There you go. There you go. And um, I don't have any tomato juice or tomato juice or pepper or a celery
0: stick (laughs) or horseradish. (laughs)
1: Great. Or any any of the other ingredients. I'll bet you have a
0: substitute for it, though.
1: I certainly do, sir. I certainly do. And I shall be slogging in some nice Indian tonic water, which I think... Uh, Due to its health properties, you know, when one's out there and trying not to connect, trying not to um, contract malaria, that's what tonic helps you with, doesn't it? Um, Uh, Indeed. I think think same as tomato juice, really, with its vitamin C. Let me give this a taste. Oh, that is, that! I would rise and shine for one of those, my friend.
0: Would (laughs) Would you really? All right.
1: (laughs) In fact, I would drink one every week. That's, that's well you probably is. should yep. yeah you probably should drink one <laughs> each and every week yes and what did you call yours
0: uh i call this the sunday rise and shine mm. i'm just drinking a friday's rise and shine <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh while we're rising and shining i assume we're we're it's it's easy like a sunday morning can't stop dropping that in uh when whereabouts are we drinking these
0: well, I think we have to go to Paris for this, right? I mean, we're going to have oh, to celebrate yeah. the we have to celebrate the uh, Harry's New York Bar, um, mm. and 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 go to Paris for you know to basically show them the new version, um, yes, uh, of this uh, as as well. And mm. by the way, it still exists, right? The Harry's New York Bar still still exists. Really? I wonder yes, what they does. say when you're going there and say, "Can I have your
1: most famous drink, please?" But I've changed all the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Man. I'm sure being French, they're totally open to the idea, right? Oh,
1: they are. They are some of the most open people when it came, comes to changing anything color. Absolutely,
0: yes. And if you do so in a Texas accent or something very American, they're just even more likely to want to change, right? Mate, your Cowboys baseball cap, I think,
1: is Yes, exactly. I ain't going to
0: speak your French language, but I will ask you to change. <laughs>
1: I'm not even going to try and do your accent, but that sounds fantastic. So once we've finished arguing with the barman, <laughs> as, as he grumpily goes and finds a nice tequila to put in your drink, uh, what will we be chatting about in Paris?
0: Well, uh, this is something I was talking with a friend about last week. Um, uh-huh. So do, do you know the, do you, do you know the, uh, you know, Seinfeld, yes, the, the, yes. the, the TV yes. series, right? So are you a fan of Seinfeld?
1: Oh yes, uh, yes. I have, I'm not like uh, a super fan. I, I, I'm aware of the works and watch many episodes. And I've okay. actually lived one of the Seinfeld episodes where he doesn't get a rental car twice in my life. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> you have the reservation.
0: That's right. It's, uh, it's, yes, it's that. the importance of holding the reservation exactly. Well, there's another one. There's another. Yeah. There's another episode that has just as famous uh, a scene. I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And it's where Kramer decides that he's going to uh, start his own version of the movie phone service, right? And so, if you don't remember the movie phone service, because you're not old like me. um, (laughs) There was a thing where you could actually phone up uh, and press in the dial keys, the movies, you know, and get times and theaters and listings and all that to get, you know, to to the movie that you wanted to go see. And so, he decides to do that. And in the scene... George ends up calling the number and Kramer answers with the hello and welcome to movie phone using the touchtone keys on your phone. Please enter the first three letters of the movie you'd like to see. And of course, George dutifully pushes the three numbers on his phone, but Kramer can't understand what those dial tones mean. And he goes, uh, you've selected agent zero. And now George, of course, is completely confused and goes, what, what are you talking about? And then Kramer panics and guesses again you've selected brown eyed girl. And then there's this awkward silence. Cause of course that's not what he selected. And finally Kramer mm-hmm. bursts out with one of my favorite all time lines. And he goes, why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you'd like to see? <laughs> and so it's so funny, but what it reminds me of and, and why I found myself quoting that scene was I was talking to a friend mm-hmm. and it's like, it's, there's so it's 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 this line that we wish we could sometimes just ask our audiences right you know we're building our blog or our website or our resource center or our event or whatever it's like god i wish the audience would just tell us what they want right yeah and here's the spoiler alert this is what i've learned over 10 years your audience doesn't know what they want um Mm -hmm. and We've done tons of audience research for clients, and mm-hmm. I, we've learned that after doing this research, they will tell you. If you ask them what they want, right, mm-hmm. they'll tell you. But what they usually do is they'll frame it in the form of a problem that they should want the answer to. In other words, it's usually something the audience thinks they should want the answer to, but they don't actually need. The, the classic example of this, of wow. course, is, you know, the, the quote that uh, Henry Ford never said, of course, which is, you know, yeah. if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have replied faster horses. Um, yeah. That's the answer. That's the, I should want this, but I don't really know, right? I don't really yeah. know what they want. And so, you know, in other words, like you might go, well, what do I want out of my blog? And I might get an answer like, I, well, I've got a problem selling content marketing to my boss. And so I would dutifully respond with a post on how to solve the content marketing business case, but that's not answering what they really need. That's not differentiating me. Um, you know, a bit like we talked about last week, it's basically (laughs) just answering the question that everybody else is going to be answering. Right. And so it's what they don't know, right? What they want is often what they don't know. And that doesn't mean you don't listen or you ask, it just means that when they tell you what they want, you need to start to dig deeper and really understand what it is they actually want. And what you want, what you as the creator, the content creator, yeah. is for them to get to the end of your piece, whatever it is, your blog post, your video, your resource center, your white paper, and go, God, I'd never thought of it that way, or I never knew that that was an option. Absolutely. And the- Funny thing is, the punchline to all of that is is that Kramer in the Seinfeld episode does exactly that, right? He yeah. he, he delivers this differentiation completely by accident, by misunderstanding the dial tones. He solves the problem in a really in way, innovative way. He just basically says, "Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you'd like <laughs> to see?" Or sort of giving him this voice activated service, yeah. and then at the end of the episode, the there it's classic because he's still doing it. And the guy at the, the, and at the very end of the episode, somebody knocks on his door and goes, you know, hello, and welcome to your worst nightmare, Cosmo Kramer, apartment 5D. <laughs> You've been stealing my business. You know, it's the movie phone guy coming to exact revenge. So the whole thing is we, we can't really yeah. know an audience until we listen to their needs. Yeah. But you can't give them what they want until you create the thing that they don't know that they need. And that's just a lesson that I think is worth learning.
1: Yeah, and so related to what we were talking about last week as well, isn't it? Because we tend to pile on as content marketers, solving um, or, or answering the question that they that, that we think that, that they need right now. <laughs> but actually, the, the way to differentiate would be to 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 explore the problem that they don't know they have yet. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. It's to yeah. you know, it's to deliver them the iPhone that they have no idea exists yet right
1: yeah 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 and how do you see um I mean you you work with clients all the time and luckily today we've got a couple of minutes and I like to ask you this question how do you see clients doing this sort of thing I mean it's something you obviously encourage how how do you see them thinking differently like that
0: the way that we like to prescribe to do it is to start to think about your content Mm -hmm. as a product right yeah so in other words if you were going to introduce product into the marketplace, you would never go, well, let's just do everything else everybody else is doing, right? right. Let's just, you know, let's yeah. just provide the same features, copycat features. Yeah, ours will be a little prettier. Ours will be a little, you know, different colors. Our, you know, we'll, you would never do that as a product manager because you'd realize that, you know, quite frankly, I can deliver that, you know, that duplicate of a BlackBerry or that duplicate of a flip phone. Yeah. And yeah. it's not going to be any different. You know, I might market it a little better. Mm-hmm. I might have a bit of a better brand, but I'm not really answering what the customer really needs yeah. with this product. And yeah. so understanding, and you know, we love design thinking or the jobs to be done framework, or there's a number of ways to get yeah. to this idea um, in terms of how the methodology is, but at its core, it's looking at your content as important as one of your products and services so how are you differentiating that product yeah right so it's it's not just differentiating your product through the marketing but it's differentiating your marketing as a product Yeah. and that's that if you can start to think about it that way it it just changes the way that you think about the content that you're creating
1: Yeah, and and I mean the sea of content that, that, uh, particularly in B two B, that people are and as you say that as as you I mean keep referring to last week, but as you said last week, you know people on this sort of hamster wheel of research that and they're they're just consuming more and more and more. Something like that is going to stand right out, isn't it? And it's going to be it's going to stop them. They're going to go, wow, yeah.
0: It is, and it's and it's going to give you ultimately, you know. better insight right into Mm. into what is really going on with your customers and you know and and hopefully if you do it well it aligns and adds to the experience of the product or service that you sell in other words if i deliver you thought leadership or if i deliver you content that inspires that you you know that you get to the end of it and the audience goes wow i never looked at it that way now you take that perception in the customer's mind to that to your product, because the, the where their imagination goes is, wow, they showed me something that I didn't know about in a different way, and now when I look at their product, yeah, it looks at its surface like all the rest right. of the products, and it may yeah. be quite frankly, but the question is going to be in their head, but is it? it, it because they showed me this other thing in a completely different way, I'll bet you the product matches that promise as well. Yeah. So you're sort of teeing up the idea Absolutely. that your product is actually different because yeah. your content and your marketing is actually different.
1: Well, I also think that, um, that, that really the amount of research that B 2 B2B buyer can do is, is, is quite shallow in terms of deep features and functions. And what they're going to pick up from something like that is you as a partner to work with. And, and the trust that in, in the research they haven't got time to do. If you like, you know, it's like, you know, I I can't I can't measure every single feature function across across five different vendors. But these guys look like guys I can trust, and I believe that that in three years time they're going to be with me with whatever that problem is then.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, I think there's also a tension there right which you can hmm. you as a marketer or as a storyteller or as a content yeah. practitioner you can play with yeah. which is inherent in that is is cuz so just think about it in the metaphor of the iPhone right so if Steve Jobs comes out on stage and says here's something you never knew you wanted before right mm-hmm. you know here's something completely different yeah part of the reason that it is something that we trust is because it's obviously apple giving it to us right yeah in other words if it's some schmuck off the street who says hey here's something you never knew you wanted before this is an iphone you kind of look at it side-eyed and go i don't i don't (laughs) necessarily i mean it's cool what you're showing me but i don't really trust you that you're actually doing this there is a tension there with leading with something that is truly giving them something differentiated and the trust that you either have or have spoiled with regard to your current, you know, either the content brand or the brand itself. And so it's something that you can play with, right? Which is, it's the, it's the equivalent of, of saying, hey, here's something that you never, you know, that you would have never expected us to give you and you never knew you wanted but then you've got to back it up, right? Then you've yes. got to be able to back that up with, um, with, you know, the other kinds of content that we off, we so often talk about that says, Hey, here's the stuff to allay your fear about why we're, you know, why yeah. we are the way we are or why, you know, what our history is or what, you know, yeah. why other people trust us and, and all those kinds of things. So, you know, balance it, right? You, you've got to, you've yeah. got, you've got to balance what you're, what you're doing here. And, and thinking the same way that Apple does, right? You know, Apple does, you know, standard stuff too, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know big partnerships with, you know, big, you know, big technology, you know, telecommunications firms, they do, you know, all their standard yeah. stuff. And then they also introduce that weird and innovative stuff too. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Robert. I love that thought. And um, when, if people are looking for weird and innovative stuff, and they're looking for a, a .NET website, for example, where would they go?
0: Well, they'll find us on our little website where we sort of put up all of our stuff. It's just contentadvisory.net. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic. And uh, when, they, when the listener spins the dial on the interweb and they want to find you, where will they find
0: you? TikTok usually, yeah. I'm I'm a big um, I'm uh, I'm I'm big on TikTok these days. Yeah, uh, no. Um, of course, all the usual suspects: Twitter, or LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> I actually installed TikTok because of the um, news. I'm like addicted TikTok. to TikTok.
0: I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm addicted to it. I love it.
1: Yeah, well, they're selling their algorithm. I think I learned that from your podcast. And yeah. uh, my God, they've got that down, haven't they? So that's oh, it's
0: it's 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 really annoying how habitually
1: gets (laughs) but we won't see you on there you're just a consumer
0: yeah that's correct you won't see me (laughs) you won't see me on the tiktok doing any videos or yeah or any of my lip syncing yeah
1: (laughs) well that's fantastic and will i see you in the bar next week
0: well of course you will
1: well i hope it's a bit quieter but yes i look forward to them cheers mate thank you Thank you, Robert. Wise words. And listeners, I have no idea what sound effect he's going to suggest in there. So that's a wrap on episode 84 of the Rockstar CMO f Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Villaria and Robert for joining me and for sharing their insight. You can find all their links and the topics we discussed in the show notes. And please check out their work and follow them. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes. And thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Let us know what you think. We are, of course, Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can leave a rating or review in your favourite podcatcher. Or we'll just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as you heard, Jeff is taking a week off. I'll be chatting with Christopher Willis, CMO of AcroLynx, And Robert Rose will be in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you'll join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM.
0: You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.